Hello guys, welcome to my podcast, Lovely Linky Inspirations, where the intent is to encourage, motivate, and inspire you. I will share with you my journey and expertise as a nonprofit co-founder, a therapist, a PhD student, a mommy and wife. I am also here to help uplift all single women, whether you are a woman who has never been married, previously married, and now a divorcee or widow as well as to help build, support, and celebrate couples who are courting, engaged, and married. So come now, join me as we encourage, motivate, and inspire each other. Hello guys, welcome to Lovely Linky Inspirations. Today is our 15th episode in our first season. As many of us continue to navigate our way through the various injustices experienced by our black and brown men and women in this nation and throughout many other countries in the world, I would like to continue to use this space and all others that I can to share thoughts on how we can move forward. Today, I am joined by a special guest. Her name is Courtney Combs. Courtney has worked in the area of social justice for several years. We recently sat down and had a discussion on a Facebook Live about white privilege and the ways it can be used to positively help bring about effective change in our world and to continue to solidify unity among people of all races. Please note that being a Facebook Live recording, there are a few interruptions due to connection issues. You will also hear me read questions and comments that were submitted throughout the live. With that, come now, join me and Courtney as we discuss a little bit about white privilege. Thanks for joining. I see people are coming in, continue to come in and we're going to start and I'm just going to, because it's three o'clock now, we're on time. I can't believe it's three o'clock already. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> it came by quicker today and I always get so nervous. I don't know why until everything starts and then I'm okay. I just want it to, I want it to go well. Oh, and it yeah. always does. <laughs> of course. <But> anyways, <laughs> those who um, would like to pray with us, you can um, bow your heads or whatever you'd like to do. And so, Lord, we just come before you um, this afternoon just asking for your grace, dear God. And we ask um, that you bless Courtney, dear God. Lord, we thank you for who she is and for her voice, dear God, in not only Zion, but in so many communities as she stands and she speaks up. Um, for people of color and just for people who are mar- marginalized in um, many aspects, dear God. So we thank you for her, dear God. And I just pray that you continue to cover her and to increase her in er- any areas that she needs to be increased in, dear God. Lord, I ask that you even bless every person that's listening right now and those who will listen later, dear God, that this, if they do not understand what it is, that this will be a beginning of them understanding, dear God. Lord, I pray for open hearts, open minds, and open eyes, dear God. In your name, we come and we hope that everything that is supposed to be shared here today will be shared in your name. Amen. Amen. Yes, thank you. Okay, okay. So everyone, welcome and we're welcoming Courtney and I'm going to hand it over to Courtney to just tell us about who she is and we'll just get into it. Okay, yeah. So my name is Courtney Combs. I um, currently work for Lake County Community Foundation. I used to work for YWCA Lake County. Um, That's where I started uh, the racial justice initiative for YWCA Lake County, and then their public policy and advocacy. Um, And then from there, I've been I do a lot of racial equity consulting work, um, focus right now mostly on the criminal justice system. So I work for the Lake County Sheriff's Office on um, racial and ethnic disparities so we're right now we're looking at uh bail reform okay awesome okay bail reform Do you get, <laughs> I, I guess we can talk about that another time yes that just sparked my um interest but next time okay. yeah no criminal justice is <laughs> Definitely, like, um, I'm, I'm in racial equity and for it for everything, but uh, criminal justice definitely has, like, a place in my heart. 
Yeah, yes. Okay. Okay. So thank you, Courtney, for that introduction. So today we're going to be talking about white privilege and each of you will have an opportunity to ask questions. So if you do have a question based on anything that Courtney is going to say, or if you have questions um, that you came with, please, you know, you can ask those questions and I will um, share those with Courtney and she will answer as best as she can. And if she can't, right, Courtney, we'll get back. Um, oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the floor is yours, sis. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I first just, so again, yes, my name is Courtney Combs. Um, I also just want to put out into the space that I identify as white. I think that's really important um, to be able to say and, and really get comfortable with um, mentioning race just in general. Um, so I, uh, the, how I kind of wrote this out again, um, I could talk about white privilege, about race theory, all of that for, for hours. Um, so I really wanted to get this, to make this simple as possible. And then also, um, not to be very conscious of the fact that I've been through this journey. Um, so I, you know, I just, I didn't wake up one day and think, oh, I have white privilege. That was something I had to educate myself about um, and really walk through not just a racial um, kind of consciousness journey, but just a spiritual journey as well. Um, so I, I did do this with a lot of intent and I hope it makes the most sense. So first I, I just wanted to talk, what is privilege? Um, this is straight from the dictionary. It's just a right or immunity granted as a peculiar benefit, advantage, or favor. Um, so privilege, there's a lot of different privileges and I hear a lot of folks talk about that, especially when they're confused about um, white privilege. They'll say, well, there's all kinds of privileges. And yes, mm -hmm. there are. Um, there's economic privilege, which rich versus poor. There's gender. That's when we're looking at the pay gap. There's religion um, uh, privilege. But the reason I always go back to uh, when we're talking about white privilege, we're talking about racial privilege. And the reason I think that that is such a different kind of privilege is for two, for two main reasons. One, race is something you, we automatically see, right? It's one of the first things mm -hmm. we see. Um, so someone can be so far away and I maybe not know their gender, but I can pretty much tell what, if they're a person of color or if they're white. Um, so I think that it makes a huge difference. The only other thing I would say that's probably similar to that is folks who have religious garb. Um, that's definitely something you can see automatically, but that's, that's not the majority. So that's the number one reason why race is, is so important um, and that we need to really accept the privilege. The second part is more about the, um, the historical. So... Um, and I'm going to talk about this in terms of the United States. Um, uh, the United States was built on race and racism. The reason I say that is because we don't mention or start thinking about race until it comes to slavery. Um, mm -hmm. And so the, the, the whole idea of race being brought up was to support the fact uh, that Africans who are black uh, would be, are, are lesser human, thus mm -hmm. uh, should be slaves. So when you have a, um, when you kind of have this theology that our country is built on, it becomes a whole different spectrum of privilege. Mm -hmm. um, so I, sorry, I also took notes. So I want to make sure that I'm just staying on. No I, problem. Like I said, I could talk about I, this. I do, oh, do have you... a question. Yes. Okay. Um, my, a question that I'm asking you based on something you said, I like when you po pointed out that race is seen because yeah. the dialogue has been for many. And I think we have been trying to change it. And when I say we, I mean, you, I, and many others have been trying to change when, especially white people, Caucasian people say, I don't see race. And I think oh, they yeah. say that as a compliment to uh, people mm -hmm. of color or black people, but we don't take it as a compliment. So talk a little bit more on that for me, that race is seen and that we want you. I know as a black person, I want you to see that I'm a black woman. It's a part of who I am. I just don't want you to be scared when you see me or to get negative um, thoughts 
when you see me, but I want you to see me. And when you describe me, I don't want the first thing to be Cynthia is a black woman because there's so much more about me. But I do want right. you to see my race. So talk a little bit more, more about that. It is seen because I loved when you said that. Oh, yes. Um, I And, you know, I think that's also two parts. So one, we've got to get more comfortable with just... Um, of, of saying that we see race again there's no, as you said there is nothing wrong with the actual fact of just seeing color um mm -hmm. what you alluded to Cynthia was the stereotype that's then attached to that mm -hmm. color right um and so yeah we have to see color because in order to see to see you right to see your experience to understand to um to, to better know you, to be for me to better understand myself and how we interact, I have to see your color. Um, so there is nothing racist about saying someone is, uh, you know, like, I think a lot of times we, we have this um, fear that if, oh, if I say you're black, right? If I say mm. I see black, then I'm racist. No, mm -hmm. seeing color is completely natural. Um, it's, it's the next part that becomes unnatural is when, and this kind of gets more into implicit bias, but it's when yes. we put, we see this color and then automatically we put it into a box. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's, that's where it gets, you know, this unconscious racism that we would need to retrain our brains. Um, I, I say it all the time. We've been brainwashed. All of us have been brainwashed. Yes. It just shows up differently um, mm -hmm. in white folks than, than in black folks and Latinx mm -hmm. folks. Yes. And for those, because we're making this very basic, I'm sure many people know what, what you mean when you say implicit bias, but explain that to someone who may not know what you mean <laughs> yeah. when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, the implicit bias is, it's just a very quick, uh, like, when I, I mean, very quick, we're talking like, second um, yeah. judgment that's made by the mm -hmm. brain. Um, that what I always like to say, it's more of the unintentional racism, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. we don't mean to cause harm, like our intent is not to cause harm. However, our impact is harm. Um, yes that unconscious bias is just as important as direct bias. Um, mm -hmm. If we cannot, it kind of goes to that thing. We cannot just be, oh, I'm not racist, right? I have to be anti-racist. I have to right. retrain my brain mm. um, to, to get rid of those stereotypes. Okay, I love that. You have to be anti-biased. I like that, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, I was... Uh, the reason I uh, we kind of talked to is just our history. Right. Um, and so our history, uh, I'm going to break this down really, like I said, I could talk a lot about the history, but I know it's not everyone's favorite. Mm -hmm. um, but when we're talking about um, oppression and we're talking about racism, I think a lot of people just go, you know, right back to slavery, which is, that's, mm -hmm. that is not necessarily, um, a fault because uh, it is a fault once you become adult, but in edu our education system, it's a very whitewashed system. So we don't mm -hmm. actually learn the truth of the history. That's why we have to go do it ourselves um, right. until we can fix that education system. But we're not just talking about slavery. We're talking about black codes. We're talking about black laws, civil rights. We're talking like the, just the civil rights in the sixties. Yes, it was a big thing. Those policies and those laws really didn't change till the seventies. And then after the seventies, we're talking about war on drugs, more racist policy, mm -hmm. um, and then mass incarceration. Um, so this is in police brutality. That's, that's where the yeah. most recent uh, George mm -hmm. Floyd shooting. Um, so I, I just want to really make sure that it's understood that this is in um, the way that our country has um, been built. Um, mm. it's, it's ingrained in our culture. Um, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, I think it's, it's as American as, um, as like apple pie. Yes, yes. So. Explain that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it's, I mean, it's down to, I think, the as, li as subconscious as maybe the fact that um, we still see, like, hold on, you're breaking out a bit, Courtney. Oh, no, sorry. Is it better? Courtney? Yeah, you're breaking up a bit. Okay, I hear you now. Sorry, we missed that part. 
Oh, okay. Um, I was just saying it's as simple and small as um, what we use white and black to uh, to uh, signify, such as like at a wedding, um, you know, it's, mm. it's all white. At a funeral, it's all black, right? It's, yes. so, so, it's so subconscious as that, um, that we don't necessarily even realize it. It's become so normalized. Normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I mean by that. And then um, I think the next kind of question is kind of for some folks, maybe, well, what does white privilege do for me? You know, mm-hmm. um, why? Wh- like, what is the benefit? And um, I'm just going to break this like for three examples. There's, of course, way more examples. Um, but everything that is considered normal culture is the benefit is that is white culture. Um, So Mm -hmm. I think, yeah. So I think for a lot of people, it's going to be again, we're going to keep going back to themes, right. But being comfortable with race, being able to name that I'm white and then also asking myself, what is white culture? Like, can I define that? Have I thought about that? Um, and so that's that's part of the work as well. Um, May I ask a question with that? Because you said white culture, in a sense, is n- normal culture, which it shouldn't be. But is that why so many people have a hard time understanding what mm-hmm. what is happening and what it is? Because it's yeah. normal. Yeah. It's what we it's what we just think as the norm. It's not necessary. We don't even name it white culture. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? We we don't even have to. We just name. No, that's just our culture. That's that's yeah. American culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the the benefit is no. That's actually white culture. Um, mm-hmm. And so a lot of people, I think, a lot of people get confused. Well, then what's what's the difference between that and any other country, right? And I this is where it comes white culture of control on other cultures um meaning white culture the norm culture gets to determine other folks's culture um and we've also deemed other folks's culture um as um as not normal right we we start we start making those very negative boxes Mm -hmm. um So um, I, I did three examples just to, to better help um, understand. I think one of the benefits of white culture is this feeling I can feel it totally accepted in my skin. And so that's, that's huge when we actually think about that, um, mm-hmm. that my skin color, I never, I never have to think, first of all, about my skin color. And then I never have to think about how it, my skin color affects me because it's, I'm not even thinking about it to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, that's huge, right? I can, what that means is, is that say, um, you know, um, I have personal experience in that, but um, if you are a, a black person riding through a very nice, you actually, let's just say you're living there, right? You live in a predominantly yes. <laughs> nice white neighborhood, right? Like, cause we see this all mm-hmm. the time on the news. Um, mm-hmm. You lived, but you're pulled over because you don't look like you belong there. Long there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So skin color doesn't affect my belonging to somewhere, just belonging mm-hmm. to where I live. Um, and I think that's, that's huge, right? I, we take that for granted that um, we just, we, we kind of are, the world is our oyster. That's what we're literally told. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be whatever you want when you grow up. That's, that's how I can live. Um, so that's a huge privilege. I think the second one um, that really I, I thought was huge is um, I, again, it kind of builds off of this. I'm not judged for my skin color or my culture that of, of white culture. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is uh, just one example is in white culture, um, you know, if you name your child like kale or apple or rainbow, <laughs> I used to, I used to play um, sports with a girl named sunshine, right? It's, it's looked at as unique, as Neek. different. <laughs> yeah. As, as something, Oh, that's, that's, that's different. That's, you know, cute or whatever. Um, the, and then 
in black culture, if you have a name like Daquan or Lakeisha or Jamal, not only is that judged upon for that name, but you may yeah. we start yeah. playing with livelihood when mm-hmm. it comes to other cultures. Naming mm-hmm. your daughter Kale or or Apple, it's not going to affect her livelihood. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that's a huge that's a huge privilege um right. and that, that's I, more than just in names that it carries to a lot of other things and and i would interject where you said it's uh, cute to name kyle and carrot and apple but yeah. you name Kwashanda or you know whatever else it becomes ghetto that's the term oh, that yeah. we get as a black person you know it's no longer creative it's no not longer cute you know it, it gets a negative connotation right away and and exactly like you said you see the name on the paper you're not even getting called for the job interview so, yeah yes mm-hmm. yeah um no it, it's it's I mean there's even like a there's a hashtag not gonna a name not gonna get the job you know it's so it's it's just yes. how far that's come um I also yes. think a third again there's there's def- a lot of different ways a uh, white privilege is uh, Okay, breaking up a little bit again, um, Courtney. Sorry about that. Because I keep moving my phone. Do, is it better? I don't know why that is. That's better now. I don't know why that is. We're breaking up. How is your connection? Um, it says good so far. Okay, okay. Let's do. Yeah, do that third one because I don't want anyone to miss any of your points. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just the allowed to be an individual. Um. And uh, I think I, I've already stated this, but growing up, you know, white, white folks, we can hear you can be whatever you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is such a privilege in itself. You can be whatever you want to be. Um, because a lot, and not just black folks, but people of color too, um, they, they, don't, they don't have the you can be whatever you, you know, um, whatever you want to be. There's definitely, I think for uh, the um, black community, there's, there's a few boxes, especially if you're, and it it also goes down to gender. So if you're a male, right, like sports, Mm -hmm. rap, um, or the, the term that we, um, or on the street activity kind of thing. Yeah. So it's, there is not a lot of options. There's not a lot of resource. You don't see anybody really um, in your community working in places of power uh, that look like you. Uh, That's what Mm -hmm. I mean. Um, So there's this sense of you, you don't really have, any you can't be whatever you want to be there's there's already boxes kind of filled out for you um very true and i someone mentioned based on what you said um courtney that even our last names you know Mm. not even just the first name (laughs) you know just the the name of our ancestry you know that the the name that we're gonna go with we can't change that you know and so what you know what can we do about that yeah um, no, that's, that's true. And it, and you also have Latinx culture where, mm-hmm. um, where there's, or in, and not just in Latinx culture, but th- you see it primarily as the double last names, right? Yes. And then the names that you can specifically, you know, it tells you what origin the person is probably from. Yeah, there's an, a name carries so much, um, and, and, and we're not even talking about just for being an individual, the name carries so much. We're talking about livelihood. Yes. Your name carries so mm-hmm, much. Mm-hmm. Um, that in itself, my name will never mess up my livelihood. Mm-hmm. That's a privilege. Um, so, yeah. Um, what else do we... Um, oh, <laughs> I know, right? I just uh, talked all about white privilege and... Uh, really hard stuff so what do we do with it right where's the upside where's the upside um I so I and I I I have been um the last week actually was uh tougher than I thought it was going to be um 
honestly, you know, I, I've been in racial justice uh, work specifically for about four years, five years now. Um, and then just uh, definitely paying attention to racial justice work, not in it though. And so there's certain stories that I think um, when you're in it will get to you. And for me, it was, I, honestly, it was uh, the Breonna Taylor um, story mm. that really got to me. And then this week, I, um, it, it kind of came back, but it was more in this, the reaction to what's happening in the world. We're starting to see um, what, other, what is considered the second wave of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so <laughs> for me, it, um, it, it was really though hard because it came to the fact that we had to watch someone, a, a black male, we had George Floyd, die on video um to get here and I think that's what the um toughest thing was for me um that we couldn't just believe uh you know uh black opinions black words black thoughts all of that what black black folks have been saying it actually took um video so I have been very hesitant about moving out of this uncomfortable space because I think it's really important that we sit in it. Mm. So as white folks, I would strongly encourage to really just sit in this discomfort, right? Like we, sometimes we want to rush the discomfort and get to the, what do we do? Mm -hmm. Um, When the whole issue is that we haven't been grieving as a country to start with. And this is not just about George Floyd. This is, we're talking, you know, we're talking, we haven't grieved fully for slavery um, as a country. And so we have so much grieving to do. We have so much unpacking to do that I sit in this as long as you can sit in this and start, you know, doing your research, reading, um, you know, it's, it's going to be uncomfortable, but we have to, we have to go through these steps, Um, and so I think that's, you know, such an important first step. Second step is commit to this and commit to it longer than just what the protests are going on longer than just a month. When you commit to this, you got to, you, part of white privilege, right. Is being able to step out of the world of racial justice. Yes. Right. And you, you can't, we cannot step out of it. This has to be a long-term commitment. This has to be ingrained into our lives. Um, And so what does long-term commitment look like? Well, right now you can, you can set up a reoccurring payments for uh, black organizations, black led Mm -hmm. organizations. You can set up reoccurring things to black school districts. You could, there's so many things you can just write automatically just start donating. And it doesn't, it doesn't, we're not even talking like a hundred dollars a month. We, you can pick whatever it is, but start yes. that reoccurring donation. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, um, start, start um, looking at the, at, at your school system um, and start, well, first I would actually say first, before we go there, start having the conversation at home. First steps. Yes. I lost children to be anti-racist. Oh, can you hear me? Okay, go back over that, Courtney, because you you froze for a minute. Repeat what oh, you said. I we heard you say communications at home. Go. Oh, so step two, or, or I mean, commitment for long term. Start having these conversations at home. Um, start with your children. Mm-hmm. Start start buying books with um, with black books as the main characters. Start uh, start really yes. looking at what you're um, what you're buying and making sure that it's a it's it's anti racist, right? And start talking about anti racist work with your children. Um, the education starts at home. Then the second thing is your school district, right? Your school district doesn't have to have diversity to talk about diversity, right? Start pushing for that you want to see anti-racism classes and and language and curriculum in 
your school district, yes. even if it's all white. It You don't need diversity to talk about diversity, to be inclusive. Um, and then um, the third thing I put <laughs> is vote. Um, vote. <laughs> vote. And I'm not just talking about, um, so I'm not, I'm not huge on um, more on, like on, I get federal law is important, but vote um, locally. Locally, locally. Vote, that's most yes. important. Yes. Locally <laughs> is going to affect you the most. So start yes. voting locally. Start voting in your county and your state. Um, get out to those elections because those are going to make the most impact on your life. And when I say vote too, I want to make sure that we're voting. Look at the priorities. Um, it's not just voting for... Um, Yes, vote for people of color. Yes. But also make sure that the priorities on their agenda is racial justice, is reform work, mm -hmm. because that's what we're going to need at the end of the day is we've got to reform the system. So you want to vote for re reform. That's the, that's the biggest thing. Um, yes. So, yeah, so that's my like three things that uh, and it's more than three. The commitment yes. is more than three, but um, those are things that you can do right now. I think those are very important. And I'm glad that you said for reform and for racial justice, right? Because if you're supposed to, and I'll just use you because you're a white person, if you're supposed to be helping me with your white privilege, your vote should impact me in a positive way and not in a negative way. So you shouldn't be voting against me in terms of voting for policies and for people who are going to bring policies in that are going to um, not, you know, bring um, betterment to our communities, right? So yes. I really wanted that to be highlighted. So we're using our, our, our um, white privilege in a good way right mm -hmm. and not to use it against the black community i do have a question for you okay. um please share someone's asking please share how white people can hold other white people accountable and i think that's an awesome question oh yeah um so um conversations it's it's gonna come with you know not not allowing that racist joke, not allowing that uncomfortable. It may not even it may not even sound explicit racist a comment, but to dig deeper with those comments that don't feel right, um, share resources. Um, I I think the best thing I can do too is um, so I, I went through this journey. Um, which was when I say journey, I mean, it's, it is a journey to become an anti-racist. And so it's, it's um, doing education, uh, decolonizing like myself and, and how I come across thinking about whiteness, all of that. So when I went through that, right. Um, I then, when you get on the other side, you start seeing uh, maybe how, <laughs> how racist society is. Um, and it's almost like you become bitter. You, that's like you can't become bitter. I think that's the biggest thing I've learned is to yes. is to really remember where I came from and lead with empathy. Um, mm. But also, I'm leading with empathy, but I have a very firm um, stance that oppression's not okay. This racism yes. is not okay. So I'm going to lead with empathy, but I'm going to stand up for what's right, and I'm going to let you know it's not appropriate. Okay, so I think you lead with empathy. You have those this conversations. I'm just repeating what you said, um, yeah. to, you know, because I think that's important. Sometimes people miss that. Have conversations, and you lead with empathy. And I think you said something else. You remember what, what was the other thing you said? Yeah, Clinton? I think that you can lead with empathy, but you make your point very strong. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think it's important for you to say that because sometimes if we, and I say we as a black person in the black community try to do that, it may not be heard, but it may be heard better from somebody of the same race, a white person saying to another per white person in a firm stance, like you said, no, this is, this is wrong. And I love that you're using to be anti-racist and not just say, I am not a racist because what you're saying, what I get from that is we, mu you must act. You know, yeah. if you're a white person, if you're a, a Caucasian, if anyone takes offense to me saying white, you must act. You can't just say I'm not racist and then that's the end of it and you yeah. do nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
No, I would say that this, this, what I called brainwashing, which is white supremacy, it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's been around for, we're talking hundreds of years. So mm -hmm. I have to understand that the, to trying to undo that is not going to just be me saying I'm not a racist. Like I'm going to have to put in work. Yes. Yes. Very important. And I see another question coming okay. here. What do you recommend for children with parents who refuse to face their racist view? How do these children get support? Wow. Oh, um, yeah, I doubt yeah. I don't. That one's I, a big one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, you know, there's only, unfortunately, there's only so much that we can do providing resources. Um, if you're having interaction with this child um, at school, I, you know, making sure that the curriculum is touching on these topics, um, that you're talking about it at school and doing as much work as you can from, um, from the education standpoint, um, and then just sharing resources with the parents and just having those conversations. Um, I think, though, eventually, especially if you are a person of color or, a, or you know, a black woman, man, um, those conversations, you know, there's only a certain amount, I think, that um, should be allowed or your spirit or uh, energy should be spent on. Um, so... If that makes sense. If we're talking about like school and stuff. So oh, can you? And so please? I think that's a question that you we, yeah, you froze for a little bit, but I Sorry. also think Courtney, that's a question that we probably could consider and come back with because I think the age of the child um, impacts greatly on what yeah. you can do and how much you can say and how much you can share. And I think that's a very good question for us to kind of brainstorm about and come back and say, you know, within this age group, this is what you do. Like you said, if you're a teacher, yeah. if you're a therapist and you have someone in, in your chair in therapy or someone in your classroom, you can share, you know, the books and the stories, you know, but then depending on the age, there's no much, so much more that you can do. Older children, like uh, teenagers, there's more because they do have a voice when they become teenagers, they can act um, somewhat independently outside of their parents, you know? So yeah. I think um, that's something to think about. Like, I think it's a really good question um, that that's asked and presented to us to, to think and consider, because I think there's many, people i've been on a lot of meetings and um conference calls that there are white um teenagers and young people asking this very same question if i'm the only one in my household or in my friend group or in my community or in my family that supports this how do i do it i feel very scared to say anything in my home because it's combated you know and i'm the only one so they don't know what to do so i think this is, is something that we need to really think about and come back um, with some ideas, if not yeah. full solutions. Yeah. Yeah. And so here's another question. What educational resources have you used to explore your white privilege? Says assessment in an anti-racist journey, white um, fragility and waking up white are two books that can be recommended. Do you know of those, Courtney? Yeah. Yes. Um, so White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. I definitely um, read that. I have a whole resource guide I can share with you as well, Cynthia, if you okay. Um, yeah. Um, but I, not just um, so a lot of documentaries, movies, uh, books, um, podcast, even. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, um, I can definitely share that list. Sure, with you. So, okay. And um, I know you probably don't know any off your head, but are there self-assessment tools oh, yeah. to use? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And what There's... does that do for those? I'm asking, I'm asking questions for other people. Who's like, what does that mean? <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, and I, I, I don't want to get this wrong. I haven't done it in a while. I did a session, but Harvard came out with the implicit bias test. And I, mm -hmm. I cannot remember the link to actually get there. Okay. But if you just look it up, you can get it. And I always tell people I suggest to take, so there's different tests you can take um, to see your implicit bias, um, how your eyes are, are making those quick decisions that mm -hmm. are maybe unintentional racist. Um, 
And I always tell folks to do the color one. I think that yes, while race is important, I think we also gotta understand that the world is built on anti-blackness. Um, and so to fully understand how race works, um, I would just suggest doing the um, colorism test. Colorism test, okay. Those are good questions, everyone. Some of those I know we didn't answer entirely because I think it needs more thought and we don't want to rush a response. And so I'm committed um, to taking the time to um, do some more um, research. And, to, and, I, and Courtney's always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always. <laughs> no, I have, a, I have a list of books, too, for children. Um, okay. And then also, if, if anyone is on Instagram, um, Conscious Kid um, helps parents with raising anti-racist children. So I'll follow them. They have great, re always putting out resources. Okay, and here's a question here. Um, I think one thing we must do is acknowledge that people are multidimensional. We talk mm -hmm. in terms of person, we talk in terms of a person who is racist as being evil or doing this. The child who loves their parent must see their racism will struggle with their feelings of discomfort about race issues, but their love for their parents. I think that's a good point, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I it yeah, it kind of goes back to the whole importance of leading with empathy. I I can admit to this um, when you become this like your eyes are open this wokeness or <laughs> or noticing anti-racism you start pointing at everybody else and you start yes. thinking like they're wrong they're wrong they're wrong everybody's wrong everybody's racist and it, that it's like no we've all been like brainwashed we've all it look, shows up mm -hmm. differently right for me it gives me privilege right um mm -hmm. but yeah no i think that's that's incredibly important and like you said, like we wake up, right? People wake up to it and they see it and, and then they want everybody else to see it at the same time. Yes. And forgot that you're just now seeing it. So you have yeah. to give everybody the time and the process. And, and although this has gone on for so many generations, so when you finally see it, you're like, what can I do? And you want, but it, it took yeah. time for each person to get there and you have to give people time and grace um, mm -hmm. to get there. And so as she mentioned evil, um, this is Sandra oh. Bankston, she mentioned it being, you know, as evil. And, and we have to, I guess, change those terms, how people are seen. Yes, there is evil and good in the world, but I don't believe that everyone who was of that view is necessarily evil. I think that's part of what she's saying. And Sandra, you can tell me if you're wrong. It's, it's, this is all you know. If I grew up in a home where it's one thing being taught. I know my kids, they grew up in a religious home. They grew up in a Christian home. So they know the Bible. That's what they know. If you grew up in a home that tells you that because a person is of a darker skin color, that they are not an equal human as you, that's all you know. And until, you know, there's conversations and something goes off in your heart and your mind, it's hard to change that, right? Some people mm -hmm. choose to be, but I think some people, like you said, it's, 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 it's what's been taught, for a mm -hmm. long time yeah 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 no I, I definitely agree with that yeah and so what do you say I have a question because do you believe that there are people because you can use your white privilege for good and bad right so could first let me ask that give me an example and I think you have given several but let's go again an example where it's opposite right of you using your white privilege for good and one where you are not you're using it for bad um yeah okay yeah uh put me on the spot here but no uh i know i'm so sorry <laughs> no you're fine you're fine no i i, I want to make sure i get um so i think uh an example that we have i'll go with bad first so that we can get to the good um bad there was and i cannot remember i cannot there it just seems like it's there's been so many um racist um event, you know incidents is coming up but there was let some, me there was help. the woman okay, okay. oh sorry there is like the woman in the park yeah um, that's exactly where i was okay. going <laughs> okay yeah in um in the new york or yeah new york or central park and yes. um understood it and and we we sub like we get these messages all the time we understand we start to understand our privilege we understand the dynamics of the world and we can mm -hmm. choose to use them for good or choose them use them for bad um yes. in that incident that white woman 
um, didn't like being told what to do by a black man <laughs> and understood the dynamics of which someone could, this could be. Um, I mean, we have the Central Park Five, right? So this is already a yes. park that has had so much history with history. racial injustice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and that, if, if people don't know what uh, uh, Central Park Five are, that yes. was over. Um, so it was mostly Black youth being blamed right. for a white yeah. woman's sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Um, the same dynamic that we saw in that park, right? I'm going to <laughs> tell the police that you are, I feel like I'm in danger. I'm alone. I'm a white woman. You're a Black man. So um, definitely using that privilege for bad. Um, uh, another way, though, again, to use white privilege for good is a lot of times um, we are very sensitive to race in this country. Um, and what I mean by that, if a person of color d- brings up race, right, it, there is so much more um oh, like oh my gosh like we, we get tense we get uh, white folks we get afraid we're like we need to control the situation we don't know how this is going to go there's so much more judgment for people of color especially black folks to bring up race we as white folks we can start doing a lot of the work um of making sure that our spaces are inclusive um, before they're diverse, right? Before mm-hmm. they're diverse, mm-hmm. we can make sure the space is inclusive. We don't need to wait mm. for people of color to come into the space and then dis- then mm-hmm. start working the inclusiveness. Um, so there's just so I much work that. we can, can we, do. I get. I got excited about that, Courtney. Sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. Because <laughs> from a black person's perspective, when you say to make it inclusive before you make it diverse, that is so powerful to me. Because if I don't feel like I can come in, it's harder for me to want to come in because I already feel like the doors are closed. And like you went back to the community, if I'm a black person who lives in that community, and I get pulled over because I live there, or I'm looking at a house, and you think that oh. I'm here to be someone's nanny and I know a friend that that has happened to I'm here to be the nanny and not to buy a house because there's no way (laughs) because I'm in this skin that I could afford a house in this place it's it's not inclusive thought even just Mm -hmm. your thoughts you know it's not inclusive so you're already locking me out it's hard to be diverse when there's no um inclusiveness so I I I, I think that point is very important and we kind of needed to reflect on that a, a bit we can't mm-hmm. become diverse really on, until there's an inclusivity, right? We can force ourselves in and some of us will, like we're going to live there. We're going to drive mm-hmm. there, but many people won't because out of fear or out of, of whatever, right? We're, we're not accepted there. Many um, black families will tell their children that we're not accepted there. We're not going to go there because they, they fear for themselves and they fear for their children. So we're not even <laughs> going to drive through that neighborhood because someone is going to call the police. We can't stop and look for directions in certain community because we're we're fearful because someone might say we we stopped in front of their house and they feel like they're protecting their houses or they're going to shoot at us or whatever so i think that point is very powerful to say to be inclusive um prior to being diverse Mm -hmm. yes yes sorry i really got excited about that (laughs) (laughs) when people I, i think it's for a black person when someone understands that's not of our skin color and I know you and I know you understand but when you can speak from such a clear lens like okay I get it it makes me happy and I know it makes other people um in the black community happy um to hear that so I'm I'm sorry if you had another point to that <laughs> no no I I think no no I I think to your point too that it also when we wait for diversity we we subconscious like we put a lot of work on people of color like we yes. make the work it's like it's that extra burden of like mm-hmm. oh now we're changing this because I'm here like now mm-hmm. we're you know what I, and it's like it's so othering and it's so it's so burdensome um it's it, we got to take the burden off people of color um trying you know being like the first in a certain and then they have to act a certain way and and it lead the way for other people of color it's like it's just we put so much extra burden on people yes. of color Yes, and it and it's really stressful. <laughs> you know, like you said, you have to act a certain way. You have to dress. You and I can walk in 
a grocery store and we're in sweats and just because I'm in sweats, I'm approached different. I'm already approached differently because I'm black. But if I'm yeah. dressed up, you know, I, I will be treated differently. And you, it doesn't matter what you wear. <laughs> no, you yeah. Know? In some of the most affluent communities, white communities, you could walk through and not know whether how people just based on people are dressed, you wouldn't know whether they're homeless or not, kind of thing. Like Mm -hmm. it's it makes it's they're able just to wear whatever. Yes, yes. And and that's so hard to think about that. I'm going here. I'm going around this group of people. What do I need to wear? So first, I'm not only seen, but someone is going to hear me because they're looking at me and they already see my color, but they're also looking at what I'm wearing. So that determines whether they're going to listen to me or not. And and that's, you know, that's something that I think a lot of us face daily. <laughs> and, and it's, oh, it's, it's tough and it's, it's stressful. And here is a question. Diversity work should happen because it should reflect our society for communities, employees, and customers. Well, I guess it's more of a statement. What do you say to that? No, I agree. I'm just saying that um, we shouldn't wait for diversity to become inclusive. And that's all. I'm not saying put a hold on on creating more diverse spaces. No, lead lead i um i can i can also send you the ted talk um but it, it talks about um you know just leading with the fact that we just need people of color and, and places yes. of power so no i'm i'm not saying put a stop to that right. i'm saying though we can st- before you become diverse kind of thing you can always start working on your inclusive thought yes. process mm-hmm. and i i 100 um, agree with that it makes it a little bit easier and i think carlotta i think she agrees as well um yes she's saying I'm green with you (laughs) yeah I knew I knew that's what she meant I knew she agreed yeah she was just saying this is why I agree with you okay Mm -hmm. okay um any any other points I think I wanted to um go back to something oh yeah so you had given us some um, examples of using white privilege in the negative and that's just fresh off (laughs) fresh off the press we've all watched that one and I think many of us I know I have those story of because I'm a black woman oh my god she's the mad crazy black woman you know what I mean and for her to tell the man in his face exactly what she was going to do and do it that's using it um, in the wrong way and then like you said I think you and I being on this um together on this live is a way to use white privilege in a good way because you could have said Cynthia I'm not gonna do this with you you know (laughs) you could have gone on and do it by yourself but I think it's very important that we do it um together that because you know I think um there's things that you bring to the table and I you know that this is a white woman coming to talk with a a person of color a black woman and I think that that brings more validity to it you know and so I thank you for yeah. doing that and for showing how to use your white privilege in a good way someone wants to make a point here did you have anything to add to that before I rush here or you okay? oh no just thank you for the invitation I have like thoroughly enjoyed this time uh, talking with you <laughs> so yes I, thank you I enjoy it too um, Amaya says and I'm sorry I should have been calling out everyone's name who uh, um, had something to say but Amaya said yeah one one that point oh she says my mom always says we have to look a particular way when we go out that we have to hold ourselves up that as black young ladies we must not just walk out into anything but we but as we walk out the house walk out in a nice way depending on where you are going and and amaya is a teenager right and Mm. so to just put that extra stress on what i have on did you want to add anything to that you know growing up tell me about you as a teenager did you even think about what you put on how that's going to impact people I know we have clicks and whatever and we want to dress I think it's more was a, a trend am I trendy and not so much because of the color of my skin say something on that 
if you can reflect back as a young person. Yeah, uh, you know, honestly, I think I took a lot of that for granted. Um, so mm-hmm. I um, played basketball my entire life. Um, and I think I was able to see some just differences in me. Um, I think senior year, I wore, wore nothing but like sweatpants and a basketball t-shirt um, and then hoops, right? And I think the mm-hmm. hoops is where I see the main, um, di- a lot of difference, right? Me wearing hoops um is is like okay it's cute it's like oh okay that's you know she's trendy kind of thing um and then um black girls or black women have to experience a whole and and i would say also uh latino girls have to experience a whole different uh stereotype when it comes to hoops hoop earrings yes Um, yes and so I've never had to really think about necessarily how big my hoops were or, get, you know, or think about the repercussions of them. Um, so that's, I think, is a, a, one of the biggest things I can remember. Yes. And I think that's it's very important that you added our um, brown skin sisters because, you know, it, it is, you know, it's not it's not just a, a black struggle. It really is for them as well. Um, someone mm-hmm. else says Delva, are you I, I think you're, you're able to see them now. Delva Douglas. Oh, um, she's, oh, I can, oh no, you I still can't. Can. Okay. <laughs> I can see, she like, says, it's like every once in a while, I'll see one. Okay. She says, have you encountered anyone in your personal circle who has not been able to see their privilege as a white person? Yes, yes. Um, I think especially for um, white folks who are what we would say economically poor or it's it's harder for them to see privilege right um and so there's a lot there's a great article um uh, by Peggy McIntosh which is um unpacking the um uh, don't don't like quote me on the name but unpack it's basically unpacking a white privilege kind of thing and it's Mm. it's how to explain white privilege to um to poor folks and so um i think that's that's probably one of the biggest struggles is to um explain it and then because and i think and i think though um without even knowing unknowingly and let me know if I'm wrong, because, of course, I'm a black woman looking from black lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, every white person use white privilege, some some unknowingly, but some know that they're using it and they, they choose to use it. You know, like you said, you get that inkling like, OK, I can get away with this because I'm in this skin. But um, do you believe that there are some people that unknowingly outside of knowing what they can get away with, do it without even knowing some of it? Um, unconsciously that oh this is privilege do you think that's something that some of them don't recognize like I guess that was the question really yep mm-hmm mm-hmm because I'm I'm like accepting white privilege I'm you know so I think there's a lot of uh those fears around it as well right um uh someone says uh this was told Andrea uh could you rewrite that because I'm not understanding exactly what your statement is saying because we have some Jamaicans on here too (laughs) but I'm not understanding so I would like her to rewrite that but Chris says unpacking the invisible knapsack what does that ah. mean <laughs> oh that's that's peggy mcintosh's uh article okay. that's okay. the article i couldn't think of yes okay. thank you Chris. okay okay and and i guess i i'm sticking on this for a little bit because i i really want to understand um some people to understand that some people really don't see it or they choose not to see it and i'm asking you because sometimes i wonder do you and when i he talk to some people and i'm like do they not really see it or are they pretending not to see it or do they do they not care you know what i mean cuz to me it's so obvious that yes both of us are walking across the street but mm-hmm. how, your 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 welcoming is going to be different from mine but then they would say oh no Cynthia that's not true but it clearly happens so i guess i'm sticking on that because i really want to hear from you because you're white and I know you can't talk for every white person but to say is it is it that some people just don't see it or they choose not to what is it you know 
so I would also go back because I, I don't want to I'm not I don't want to be like the scholar on this scholar. Uh, Robin yeah, yeah Robin <laughs> D'Angelo uh, white fragility would answer a lot of this um but um I I so I don't know if you've seen that um video that is going around on Facebook um and it asked a group of college students um if they would uh, the the professor asked if they would switch places with a black person in America right and no one raises mm-hmm. their hand I we all I know right that um there is privilege. I, I'm a firm believer. We know or else we would be okay with switching places with mm. a black person in America. Mm. Um, I think though, to the extent of how, of, of what, again, there's just so many, there's different layers to it, right? There's, um, there's this, I've always thought this way. This is how I think I'm comfortable thinking like this. I don't want to have to grow. I don't want to have to admit that I've maybe thought something was, or I've done something wrong. Wrong. Um, Yeah. There's a lot of uh, what uh, Robin D'Angelo just says is fragility to it. Um, And I think that's the biggest problem, right? There's this ladder of, of um, it, it pretty much shows how to, um, how to kind of move up and, and go through recognizing your white privilege and what to do with it. And re- you, you blocked out for a minute. Hold on one second, Courtney, you went out for a bit. Okay. Okay. I'm hear. sorry. I don't know. I can hear you now. If you okay. don't mind repeating, I'm sorry about that. Oh, no, no, you're fine. Um, so, um, uh, what was, sorry. Uh, I know. What would you last year? Um, in terms of um, fragility, it's uncomfortable. I heard oh. that part, yeah. Yeah, so there's a, there's this, um, there's a ladder, right? There's, it's this ladder of coming to terms with white privilege and, and into anti-racism work for white folks. And a lot of times white folks, we get stuck on guilt, feeling mm-hmm. guilty, right? And if we get stuck in guiltness too long, this guiltiness, we, um, it's the work then starts to become more about us, right? Mm. Than, than the real issue, which is people of color. People, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of people who just get stuck at that ladder. Um, there's, there's a multiple toots of reasons, but at the end of the day, um, we clearly can see, um, how we feel about black folks in particular, um, just by looking around in the country where, you know, the, the poverty rates, we can look at incarceration rates. And I think as white folks, we, we can, we understand that we have some privilege some, I think all white yes. folks can understand mm. we have some kind of privilege yeah mm-hmm. okay that that's good but to act on that and to, to move yeah on. okay what well, one question because I know our time is up here and I appreciate you taking that time with me and I, I think I'm going to keep asking this question to every white person I know when you hear the term um when someone says you know when you hear black lives matter and it's combated with um but all lives matter what do you say to that as a white person? Oh, I, I, I think people have said it way better than I can say it, so I'll just repeat it. Um, I think, of course, all lives matter. Like, no one's, not, no one's saying all lives do not matter. Um, but in order for all lives to matter, right, we, Black lives have to matter. Um, yeah. And maybe if, you know, we want to be <laughs> grammatically correct. Maybe we, I don't, I don't think people, I think when people say they have an issue with Black Lives Matter, because um, even if we renamed it Black Lives Have to Matter, right, mm-hmm. we named it that, I still think there would be something else. There would be yes. something else that we would find wrong with it. Um, so at the end of the day, it's just, it, in order for all lives to matter, we have to care about Black lives. Yeah, our lives have to matter too, right? As someone, yes. I've heard people say, we didn't say only Black lives matter, it's just Black lives matter too. It's really because, yes. you know, everything that has happened is like, we have, we had to, to me, it's like we were forced to say, wait a minute, my life matter, right? We wouldn't mm-hmm. have, if, if, if we were equal and if everything we we're supposed to be equal, but we wouldn't have had to say that if we didn't 
know or and see everything that has happened people dying and um other ways that we have not been treated fairly so we have to say wait it hurts right if you're in pain you're going to say it's our natural reaction to say i'm in pain and and that is it i'm in pain i'm calling you out to let you know call it out yeah. and say you know my life matter too and so that's what it is um someone says yeah that's so good in order for all lives to matter but black lives have to matter yes mm -hmm. yes that's from jordan <laughs> oh and i know the hour came by so quickly <laughs> oh. wow oh yeah i can't believe it it's an hour um so again um i will ask you if you had any last things that you wanted to say courtney um, just thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for inviting me to do this with you, Cynthia. Um, and I will um, send you the resources that I have. Um, and, and, you know, more than willing to do another um, session on any kind of particular thing we've talked about today. Yes, yes, I'd appreciate that. I really think that one with um, the children and the ages and resources, because I, I, I do believe um, that children are... Um, realizing right outside mm -hmm. of their parents that no this isn't right and there needs to be some resources for them and for the adults that want to help them without stepping on the rights of the parents and so we have to know how to do that um yeah. so i think that's one thing and someone says carlotta says great discussion and resources shared thank you ladies and thank you each and every one of you um for joining us who are here in the live and for those who are going to be watching um later um thank you and again you can still send us questions everyone should have courtney's information on the flyer if you want to send her um any messages you can do that or send me and you can continue to write um on here any um comments you have to the video okay thank you all right bye okay. thank you bye bye courtney you may follow me on instagram and twitter at lovely linky and youtube at lovely linky inspirations on my website at lovelylinkyinspirations.com. You may also email me at lovelylinkyinspirations at gmail.com. Please share, like, and subscribe. Until next time, let's stay connected. So come now, join me next week as we continue to encourage, motivate, and inspire each other. Talk soon. Until then, live good.